Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 131, episode 3 of Der Daily Zeitgeist, a yeah. production <laughs> of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say, officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers, fuck Fox News. It's Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. And now, your starting lineup for your Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Starting at number 33, Scotty's Horden. <laughs> seems like that should be Michael Michael Horden, but Scotty's uh, Horden. <laughs> number 91. This is my favorite. Daddis Bodman. Because I have a dad bod. Uh, number 25, Steve Quar. And the coach. Chill Jack's fun. Uh, I did that last one uh, yep. uh, because I wanted to be. That, I want that to be my my nickname. And I'm thrilled. Uh, sorry, that was courtesy of Pig Butter. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. <laughs> One, two, three, how we gonna spend quarantine? Binge Netflix and smoke some trees. Horse sanitizers and store up TP. I sell one, two, three, it's kinda dangerous within six feet. They got Tom Hanks and Indris E. Too much silence in Zoom Hanks. Oh no. Thank you to Will at Ultra Lantern for that definition, or as you call it, redefinition. COVID-19, a.k.a. Uh, one of my favorite duos, Most Deaf and Talib. Really, I was all about that whole raucous records life. I had my backpack basically genetically stitched to my back. Um, so thank you for that. <laughs> Took me back. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious and talented and brilliant Shireen Lani Younes! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait. <laughs> Wait, is this where I do the AKAs? Yeah, yeah. Go when, ahead. When does that happen? Hit him with. Okay. Hit him with the flute. I want to shout out Anthony. With, I want to shout out. I want to shout out Anthony Briggs for sending me the screenshot from January 2020 of uh, Christy Yamaguchi, main supportive uh, listener. He gave me a bunch of AKAs. Okay, Shireen Lani Yunus, AKA Shireen Dion, AKA Sharina Davis, uh, AKA Diana <laughs> Boss and the Shireens, AKA the Jolly Shireen Giant. Hey, another yeah. Demolition Man re uh, reference, because if you remember in the scene where they go to Taco Bell, Dan Cortez is sitting at a grand piano in a tuxedo singing the jingle for the Jolly Green Giant. Huh? I have no recollection of this. I'm sure that's whatsoever. what they were referring to. Probably. I don't know. That's what I see. Yeah. yeah. Dan Cortez. Was Dan Cortez playing yeah. Dan Cortez? Like, were they like- It was like a cameo. Because it was like okay. 93, so Dan Cortez was like popping. So they were just like, yeah, get Dan Cortez in there real quick for a camp cameo. And of course, Daisy Fuentes was the twist ending bad guy. Uh, she was the <laughs> Kaiser Soza of Demolition Man. Uh, Shireen, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about. Uh, we're going to look at one case study of one of the people who got that PPP money. Uh, and just how, how that system has worked in general. It hasn't. Uh, we're going to look at uh, what, what happens when you have elections during a pandemic. 
we are going to look at Tupac. Uh, mm-hmm. Pac is even applying for these UI benefits. We're going to look at he's back. Just do a Trump bullshit roundup. There's a lot of a lot, lot to catch up on there. Uh, and we are going to talk about the troll sequel and what, what that means for uh, business in Hollywood. Uh, but first, Shireen, uh, we like to ask our guest. Well, first, I want to ask you, how are you? Uh, how, how have you been? How are you? Um, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I have a pulse. My whole life is just waiting to eat and then waiting to sleep and waiting to eat again and waiting to sleep again. <laughs> oh, so you um, punctuate your days with eating yeah. and sleeping? Those are the, it, I feel like people have different things they well, wait for. Like everyone has the one sleep where they're like, please let me just close my eyes and the sun comes up again. Yeah. Uh, I have not, I, I forget yeah. to eat lunch every day. Yeah, I do too. I it's- mean, food is the only thing keeping me going at this point. And I'm running out, which is bleak. I think that's what's that's what's the, the 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 dangerous part is that if I eat too much, I won't have enough for tomorrow. But I have to have just enough to keep me alive for tomorrow. Mm. So it's a game I play with myself. But um, oh, okay, you know, as <laughs> sounds good like as a I fun game. Be. I mean, this podcast, just recording this podcast, is me biding time until I can go eat. Right. You know, or that's sleep. all it is. That's all I'm. <laughs> yeah, or sleep. You fucking with naps at all? I can't nap. I've tried. I don't know. It doesn't work for me. I I, I was able to in the past, but I right. think this the state of the world has made my mind simultaneously mush and also hyperactive, and uh, I can't do anything at all. I just kind of sit there. Right. Um, I have been watching Seinfeld for the very first time, though. That's been fun oh. because it's like a time capsule of like a, the 90s and and it's been really fun to like escape into that like pre pre anything be, like 911 mm-hmm. pre like it's, the fashion's great the it's just it's pure and so i've been escaping <laughs> into the into seinfeld yeah jerry's um, kick game is bonkers yeah he's really yeah are you what do you how is it for you to watch a show that's like so seminal to other people and you're just like mainlining it right now are you are you just watching being like oh i get why they like it it's because it reminds me of a time that was less complicated or are you are you kind of vibing with the show yeah i love the show i i mean i i understand why people like it it's like it's I, I can imagine if I grew up watching it, I would really like it too. And it kind of feels like I'm playing catch up to a lot of things because I only watched Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time last year too. So I feel like I'm catching up to all of these figures, like comedy figures that everyone's really loved this whole time, like right. Larry David or Jerry Seinfeld. But I really, I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's it's funny that I just intend, I feel like there are blips in my cultural knowledge just because I'm like a, maybe a child of an immigrant family or um, just being Syrian or learning Arabic first and before English. I think that made me have a couple of cultural blips as far as like entertainment goes and Seinfeld happened to fall in there. Um, but I'm glad to be catching up. I mean, like now's the time, but <laughs> yeah. it does make it kind of strange. Cause like, I want to talk to people about it and everyone's like, I don't remember this episode. Like, just, <laughs> like I don't like, <laughs> like yeah. this is like from 20 years ago. I don't know. Oddly, I never feel the generation gap more than when I hear people your age talk about nineties, uh, fashion. Like I saw this when we were doing our MIB recap and I was like making fun of Will Smith's clothes and Jamie was like, oh, his clothes are so great. And you're saying the fashion in Seinfeld is great. Whereas I, I have a memory <laughs> of that, of the, that fashion. And 
I I look on it with uh, great shame and derision, but I oh. feel like young people uh, are are all about that '90s fashion, that blousy I mean, Jerry Seinfeld shirt. Right. Well, here's the, here's the difference. I, mean, I think for, a lot of. I mean, thank you for calling me young. You're very young. Thank you for calling me young. Well, first of all, well, I think a lot of people. I just yeah. turned thirty in quarantine. So. Oh, you're thirty in quarantine. Oh, happy quartieth. Wow, some people, and that's not 40, <laughs> but you. people, Thank Jack, you. are you have a quartieth? I mean, yeah. I will have a quartieth. Wow. Yeah. Quartieth E day. Wow. Woo. Over the hill, to. huh? Yeah. What's that? Uh, Why did that people, I remember that was like the one, the three kinds of balloons you would see at the store. It would be like dads, grads, moms, happy birthday, and over the hill. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, really? That's 40, yeah. right? <laughs> I think so. Or is it a move? Know. Is it subjective it's, based on society? Yeah, I think it's like the Wednesday of your life cycle. It's like you're almost there, except <laughs> right. instead of having a weekend to look forward to, you have everything being bad and people starting to ignore you. Oh, oh boy, oh boy. Well, Shereen, we like to ask our guest, as you know, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Okay, well, I did look this up this morning because I was genuinely curious. And I kid you not, the first one was best yoga poses to cry in. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Uh, that's where I'm at. Okay, Uh, that's and fair. I don't mean to laugh because at whatever you're going through, I'm just it's okay. No, it it was the thing that was amusing to me was the thought put into it. Now, when you are thinking about a pose, is it that you don't? You're thinking that the way in which you might be crying, you don't want to strain your back. Like, what means best? Yeah. Pose? Like, what if it was like a hyperventilating cry? Like, what if it was like a hyperventilating? Like, what if what if I have like a shortness of breath cry? Like, mm-hmm. is a child's pose better than like a mountain pose or a right. tree pose? I think what I started all of this because I started crying while I was doing yoga the other night, and then. The search results were actually kind of interesting because apparently crying during yoga was like a whole thing. Like I people like Right. I read this article about this girl that was like like I cried during yoga for the first time, but it was more about her like <laughs> realizing something about herself or like getting a pose. And when I was crying, I was like trying to do crow pose, which is really hard and I can't do it because I have no arm strength. But um and you got frustrated? my cry was like a f- I got frustrated, but I was also like <laughs> Before I did yoga, but before I decided to do yoga that night, I I wanted to cry. Like I was like, should I cry or should I do yoga? And I was like, oh, you know what? Got it. I'm not gonna cry right now. I'll do yoga. And then it kind of caught up to me as I was doing it. And then it like it uh the pinnacle of that was like me trying to do crow. And I was like, I can't fucking do it. I can't do it. I'm a piece of shit. And then yeah. Why uh, is that considered but, you know, crow? Because that looks like I don't do crows stand on there? Oh, I get it. Your your feet are the crow's head, I guess. Is that right? I've never thought of that before oh, in wow. my life. I don't know. I don't Crow I, is like your I don't know why it's called crow. Yeah. It just is. Crow, you're standing on your on your hands. Oh, your yeah. hands and like your your knees are kind of like in your in your armpit area and Yeah, yeah. I've just always wanted to be able to do like a headstand or a handstand. And I could do a, like a supported headstand like if I have a fucking wall, but it doesn't count. So I've been trying to practice yoga. Yeah. Uh, but then I just start crying. Uh, that was my search history. <laughs> best yoga pose to cry. I'm, I'm curious. When you actually searched that, was there a resource that was saying like, if you're going to cry, be in these poses? Or did it just sort of connect you to articles about the experience of crying during yoga? 
Yeah, it was more like that. Uh, there wasn't anything that really satisfied. Yeah. There wasn't anything in the vein of, of my existential right. crisis. It was There's more like, just yeah. like... It's more just like yoga can help you find yourself, and it's crying is okay. And it's like, wait, I found like, this article be in proud Mary of Claire. Every pose you do, yeah, thirteen poses yeah. to to yeah. to achieve sabsana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, none of that, none of that. What is something you think is underrated, Shri? Okay, I thought about this, and I think I landed on again with my my life circling and orbiting around my fridge. Kimchi and sauerkraut, mm. uh, incredibly underrated. One, they keep forever. Like it's 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 already fermented. It's already like it's just delicious vegetables that are just like going to be in your fridge for months and months, which is very good right now because you can go in and just have a dollop here and there on your lunch or dinner or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's delicious. I have both kimchi and sauerkraut depending on my mood. Usually, I go for the kimchi because I want some fucking heat. There you go. I want some spice. There you go. But very underrated. No one fucking goes like when I went grocery shopping last time. Tons of sauerkraut, tons of kimchi. I think uh, it's a slept on, a slept on flavor enhancer, and it gets you some veggies because it's cabbage and like you know, other yummy things. So that's yeah. my underrated. I think uh, add kimchi to shit. Which is funny day. because they're um, like they're basically two sides of the same coin. This like fermented cabbage, leafy cabbage. vegetable thing. Because a lot of I I'm. I think the origin even of sauerkraut is Asian, but like it, even though the word is German that a lot of people uh, trace it back to being something like the Mongols or, or the Chinese had brought uh, to Europeans, but I pickled vegetables. I think it, I was talking about this a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago. I was like, I was getting more interested in the food. Like my grandmother, my Japanese, like older relatives would be eating from back then. Like, it's all food that mm-hmm. keeps a very long time um, and is easy to make with cheap ingredients. I was just, I was just extolling the virtues of cabbage. Not, not a mere uh, two yeah. days ago. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 especially now. That's what we need. We now need more than ever. That's easy and 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 shelf stable or like refrigerator shelf stable. And also, it's good for you. It's like a good probiotic rich fucking veggie thing. And I don't know, I yeah. just like it. So there's my underrated. Do you, um, yeah. yeah, what kind of, what kind of kimchi do you have at your house, Jack? Where do you get your kimchi at? We have just a giant jar. We get it from the Korean market and usually yep. we, usually. Are you just, making it? Am I making it? Like yeah, we, like, we eat like a it pot? every once in a while as a side. No, no, we don't Got make it, it our, ourselves. No, we, we buy it. Um, my mother-in-law has a refrigerator specifically for like pickled vegetables and kimchi yeah. because the, the. The stink mm-hmm. is real. The stink. Oh hell it, yeah! It, it will infect your other uh, vegetables. All all our yogurt smells and tastes like kimchi, uh, but that's all right uh, because it is. You're you're right. It is it is great. Um, that is. I I can see how Americans like it wouldn't uh, get bought at a lot of American grocery stores, but it it's like my wife's main uh, comfort food for sure. Oh hell yeah. Um, yeah, it's been. I'm great. curious, what are you throwing sauerkraut food. like on top of when you said, you know, just do a little quick hit of sauerkraut? Like, what are you eating where you go, you know what, let me turn this <laughs> peanut butter well, jelly up with some sauerkraut? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's that sounds awful, but no, I mean, like, okay, so my go to things right now are just making like a big portion of something and just like throwing a bunch of things in. So, like, yesterday I made 
a big pot of quinoa. I had some some steamed broccoli and some veggies. And then I just like made myself like a veggie bowl with like everything I had in my fridge. And like it just it's good with that. Like it adds yeah. like flavor to anything. It's like yep. it's it's like a salsa within veggies and it's just so good it's mm. just so yummy so like little things like that you can just add it to anything you can eat it on its own i've eaten sauerkraut out of the thing who fucking cares you know what else you got to try if you live um, by a, a salvadorian restaurant that does pupusas get the curtido which is the oh, salvadorian yeah. cabbage slaw shout out to all cabbage slaws across the world we love you yeah yeah, me and Anna, we, uh, I feel like when I think of pupusas, I think of Anna because we had a lot of pupusas it, when she lived in my area. We would go to this one place all the time, get some pupusas, and yeah, that's like the, what's it called? Corta wait, no. Curtido. What's, what's the slot called? Curtido. Curtido. C-U-R-T-I-D-O. Uh, it's so yeah. good. I think every culture has some type of fermented veggie uh, vinegar thing, and um well, every culture. I mean, like many. a lot of cultures have it, and I think many. Um, and they're just like they they enhance anything, and they're so simple, and they stay a long time in your fridge, and um, they're good for you. So eat your veggies is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> what is uh? What's something you think is overrated, Shreen? <sighs> okay, this one is very particular to my current existence, but keeping my roommate's plants alive, I find very overrated. Um, <laughs> she hasn't <laughs> she hasn't been here for, I want to say two months. She's been at her boyfriend's place, which is great. I have the place to myself, totally fine, but I'm stuck taking care of these plants. Right. Um, I purposely don't have plants because I can't handle the idea of taking care of a living thing. It freaks me out. Uh, I don't know why. I, that's why I feel like I've avoided... Even though I love animals, I can't have a pet right now because I just think the, the responsibility and commitment of maintaining another life form is too much. Even a plant. All my plants are either fake or dead. Um, <laughs> and so her plants are thriving. And I have this responsibility of keeping them alive now. And I'm just... It's like that tweet, like that Kanye West tweet where he's like... Like someone left a water bottle on a plane and now I'm responsible for this water bottle. Like that's what it feels like I, <laughs> I'm experiencing with these plants. Have is, you discussed this? Like sure, there's like, no, I haven't. She hasn't been here and I don't want to like talk to her. And she and she's a doctor. She's like working in a hospital. Oh, a you, okay. You got to so take care of them. I don't want to be like, by right the now, way, <laughs> they are, they're thriving. They're I'm looking at one right now. It's then you green, should feel good. Well, I, I spray, I spray the leaves and like oh. you know, some, some nurturing, wow. and like I rotate it. So on one hand, I've established a bond with these plants. Right. And that, that has been an interesting trip for me because part of me is like, I guess I am capable of keeping something alive. But then another part of my brain is waiting for myself to kill it at all times. Um, <laughs> like so... just throw it out the window? You're like, man, fuck this plant. <laughs> no, or just I, just, I feel like I'm going to wake up and it's going to be shriveled up. Yeah, just I mean, like, I just don't trust myself is there, to take care of is it. Is there any concern just, that when your roommate know. returns and you have established this bond with her plants that you will feel that they are now your plants in some kind of a losing Isaiah type situation? Custody battle. Yeah, I see a custody battle. No, I never thought of that thing. until just now. Yeah. yeah, just think about that. Yeah, watch um, the movie Losing Isaiah. It's probably a one-to-one -one comparison. <laughs> I might, I might, I might watch her like spray the leaves and then be like, "I did it better," or like, oh, like yeah. I, start taking shots. You're like, "I did it." Oh, so that's how you do it? Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. 
It's just take. I mean, plants are are beautiful and what and and things, but it's just there's a there's an element of it's just a lot of responsibility. Yeah, but and, look, you're overcoming why it. Put yourself through more stress. But it's it's more stress, and it's you're taking care of another life form at all times. And like, what if I want to go away? Like, she would. What if I was also at my parents' house, for example, right now? And what if she was at her boyfriend's place? These plants would shrivel up and die. And you know, you know what, what I mean? Like, but you're, that's you're responsible but that's, for these. But those are but those are the hard decisions we have to make if we're gonna reopen America. We got to decide <laughs> right. which plants will live. Some will <laughs> die, but that's what yeah. it takes. Some will. Is die. it worth the Some economy? They yeah they said we yeah. need eighty times plants. as much testing. Loving. We need eighty times as much testing as we currently have to reopen America, and twice as much attention paid to plants, uh, house right. plants. Yeah. It's very important. Mm. Yeah yeah yeah. So that's I, uh, what I'm thinking of. That's my concern. <laughs> uh, Shereen, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Okay, well this kind of ties in, I guess, a little bit. To the Google search history. I didn't think of it until just now as I'm talking about it out loud. But um, even though there's scientific evidence to back this up, people think that working out makes you feel good. And <laughs> sure, there's things called <laughs> there's things called endorphins. I understand whatever science. But I don't want to like gas myself up right now, but I've been working out more consistently than I have in a very long time. Like I've been, I have a, I have a whole setup. I rearranged my entire apartment to have more room. I have weights, I have everything, and I've been working out pretty much every day for like an hour, Whoa. and I've never felt worse about myself, or just about the world. I've never felt worse. <laughs> like, I've thought, I thought this was supposed to make me feel good, right. and I feel but your shitty. But work, your workout can't just be you set up a mat with some weights around you, and then you just turn the news on and watch that for an hour straight. <laughs> Like what's your? What? Yeah, that's not what I'm doing. I'm, <laughs> I know, I know. What's your? What's your like? I mean, are you over? Like, are you super gassed at the end, so you just feel dead every time, or what? What's your level of intensity? There, so I, I alternate. I, I'll do like if I if I want to wash my hair that day, I'll do something that makes me disgustingly sweaty, like a, like a hit or a cardio workout. Damn. Uh, and then I'll do, but then I'll feel good, and then I'll, but it's it's so it's too short lived. Like it's too fleeting like and i at the end of the day i'm like in shape but miserable so i don't know it, it, i mean i guess i was miserable before so it's not fair but mm. it's not i don't know it's just do you feel a slight i mean a net improvement i cried doing yoga <laughs> i cried doing yoga but do you have a net Im i feel there's probably a net improvement from pre non like not working out as much to working out that there is something because you did say there is something it's just super short there is something that keeps me coming back i think there's like especially now it's been helpful because when i'm working out i'm not looking at any type of me like phone or anything i'm completely mm. focused on what my body is doing for that hour that 30 minutes whatever time i give myself so that's been an interesting mind exercise it's like you're only focused on do, doing this exercise, then this exercise, and then like your body is moving and it's like this choreography or whatever. That's been helpful and that's what keeps me coming back. But I also think the main reason I keep doing it is just to like waste an hour of the day. Like what else am I going to do? I might as well move around for an hour and then hey, at least go you back to that watching discipline. Seinfeld. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I think it sounds like too, just add some more mindfulness 
shit, if you want to, if you really want to blow by an hour, like take an hour to literally, you know, listen to a talk, meditate, just be introspective a bit. Uh, cause that an hour can go by, but shit, I feel much better when I actually take the time to like deal with, you know, process things and accept, you know, go through some acceptance exercises and shit. Yeah. Or learn about uh, yeah, what our conservative so. neighbors think by watching Fox News for a little bit. I find that yeah. uh, is really good. <laughs> Put on a Wait VR on. headset and watch Fox in 360. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, guys, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about the news. And we're back. And uh, we're continuing to sort of follow the story of what happened to all that PPP money, that money yeah. that was uh, earmarked for small businesses to uh, protect the paychecks. Uh, and to of, keep people employed. Employees. Yeah. The PPP is Paycheck Protection Program or Payment yep. Plan. Uh, but yeah, the idea is basically to keep people employed uh, by small businesses and there's a there's a really good case study uh recently in uh i guess popular it's about a guy named what is it monty first monty of all his Bennett. name is monty yeah so you know he's uh just a a regular uh man of the people with the name monty yeah, I mean, look, everyone named Monty. Mo, I just think think of old Monty Burns, uh, Mr. Yeah. Burns. I love Monty. I love him. He's been a great supporter of the president. You know, he owns three companies that basically work in the hospitality industry. Fucking does did two over two billion in revenue last year. Just killing the game. Oh, 120 killing hotels, seven thousand fucking people employed, and then the pandemic hits, cuts ninety five percent of his staff, and still takes fucking PPP money to the tune of ninety six million dollars. Now, Jesus. We keep wow. hearing about this shit because there's like Ruth's Chris. People are like, why the fuck are you taking this money or Shake Shack? And a lot of companies were shamed into giving their money back because the thing that they don't talk about, which is another reason why we need, absolutely need to get money out of politics, is lobbyists help even craft this, this kind of recovery legislation. And in this one, they put in a nice little provision that says if you have a location that employs 500 people or less, that's a small business. So even if you are a massive company, you can apply for each location as a company or as an entity because they employ less than 500 people. And this man, Monty, was using that exact you know loophole to collect $96 million and cut over 90% of his staff. Now, that money is meant, like we all said, to keep the whole reason is to keep people employed so they're not going on unemployment. Then these small businesses can ask for subsidies from the government to absorb that hit. And the government's like, hey, if you spend 75% of this money on like payroll expenses, um, we like then the debt will be forgiven. But based on everything we're seeing from Monty, this dude just took the is just taking the cash and writing medium posts about haha, like I was poor a long time ago. So fuck y'all, this is my money. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so if you spend 75% of the money. On paychecks, you don't have to pay it back. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to fire 90% of my employees and then uh, pay out dividends to holders of preferred stock, whatever the fuck that means. It just means like basically finding a way to make 
rich people richer. Uh, well, rather than taking that money from those dividends and putting it back into your fucking company, or we've talked about the, like buybacks that were a big thing that were talked about for a lot of the companies that got tax cuts during the Trump tax cut. You know, that money should, if you were if you were worth a fuck, you'd put that money back into your business so you can keep people employed rather than being like, well, well the revenue's down. If I cut this off, then I can get $96 million right. from the president and I can just pay that back over two years. That's essentially what's doing. Now, the thing that's really fucking disgusting about all of this is this man goes to medium like every great thought leader does to defend their bullshit <laughs> um, in a really, really sincere essay uh, there's some really great excerpts that Wonkette pulled out. Um, what he's like one of the opening paragraphs talks about like why this isn't like you know why this bailout is fine and this is what he says quote some politicians are too concerned whether proposed government programs help small businesses rather than quote big businesses or individuals instead of quote corporations they seem terrified they'll be accused of bailing out an industry or certain companies. Is it preferable for a large business like Marriott to lay off hundreds of thousands of workers so we can say we helped only small businesses? Interesting. Um, hmm. Okay, interesting point. Then he goes on to say, well, now let's mix in some xenophobia. This crisis was caused by either the purposeful or negligent actions of a semi-hostile foreign nation. This is not a normal market condition. Goes on to say, why is Washington protecting the Chinese? Why am I allowed to legally pursue an American citizen or company, but the Chinese government is off limits? Why does Washington care more about a communist regime than it does about its own citizens? Great Trump tactic that he's using there. Um, and then, like, really great one to sum it up. Media concerns over our receipt of PPP funds are misplaced. The PPP program was specifically designed to help companies like ours as part of the national objective of shoring up businesses and getting people back to work. But you are not doing that. Right. You're taking the money and running. firing everyone. Taking yeah, money and using it as yeah. a low-interest loan to, you know, just using it the way really wealthy people use money to make more money yeah. and for themselves this only. This makes me so mad. Yeah. This makes me so mad because my dad, he's a small business owner. Uh, he had to shut down all his stores, obviously. It's like a clothing store. Mm -hmm. He has one store open because it sells medical scrubs, and that's been a, a really important thing for, like, obviously people are washing their clothes more often because they're if they're working in the medical field but he's been struggling a lot he hasn't gotten any financial help yet and uh a lot of his employees like he's trying to pay them as much as he can because they a lot of them relied on that yeah that, uh paycheck but the fact that people like this fucking just an awful person is like getting so much assistance when he doesn't when and using it the wrong way it makes me so enraged it's, because this, i'm seeing yeah. firsthand how businesses are suffering it's that so is awful what, this and is what class warfare yeah. looks like this is saying yeah. this is money that yeah. should go to you to help you help your father help other small business owners because the thing is the government and these wealthy people are exploiting our willingness to be humane to our fellow human to excuse their greed and they know okay right. well if th these people take care of each other because they don't have shit and they, they're already treating each other humanely, I'm going to take this cash and fuck off and laugh my ass off to the bank while in my Medium post say, actually, I'm only getting $700,000 in my salary this year because I took a right. big pay cut. Eat shit. These are the fucking people that are stealing from us and they laugh all the way to the fucking bank. And I think, you know, it's 
I really hope that out of this, people begin to see what these sort of manifestations are in our day-to-day lives when we're trying to help smaller, the little guy, quote unquote, and we have the, but the system is set up for assholes like Monty to swoop in and pick up their $96 million check and fire everybody. Yeah. Empathy. Yeah, but they get, but the thing is they get away with it. Like that's what's enraging. They get away with it. That's what they do it over and over again because we, our government allows them to do it. And so- that kind of just makes me feel so hopeless and like, what is the, is there a solution? Like, can we actually, like, the fact that we have to, there is a little guy compared to a big guy. The big guy's always going to want to stay the big guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's so rare that a fucking billionaire person is like actually distributing their wealth in a way that is helpful for the betterment of the world and not just the betterment of themselves. You know? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I like... America and American capitalism are a system are a machine that's under stress and we are seeing you know what what the we're seeing the problems really highlighted and yeah you know this is a great example of you know just a perfect illustration of how empathy is a liability in American capitalism uh sociopathy and narcissism are an asset yeah and then just having an advantage whatever advantage he used to get to the front of the line presumably something with his money uh right also gave him an advantage so you know the idea i i think the idea that anything that the the underlying idea of capitalism that we like like to use to justify it that it's a meritocracy just is being uh put put to shame like no nobody can see what is happening here and and believe that well you should hear how tone deaf there's another thing actually i want to point out from his medium post that he said to defend himself against these attacks against capitalism jack that he says quote (laughs) i'm proud of our accomplishments of the hotels i've bought and built and of the thousands of folks I've hired who have become like family to me that I've just fired. Uh, I won't God. apologize for being a capitalist in America or for being reasonably successful at it. But even a capitalist system with companies only and no government backstop does not work. So him saying, yeah. yo, this only works by me exploiting their labor and then also asking the, the asking for subsidies from the federal government that should actually be going to the people that are vulnerable. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, this is what I would is. starve to feed my family. And it, it really is frustrating when these corporate leaders are use the language of like, hey, we're a family. Uh, we're, we're all a family here. Yeah. And it's just there's completely uh, either they don't have enough empathy to even have real human relationships with their family or they're just, you know, well, they're just appropriating yeah. language. I think what you do, though, too, is to insulate yourself from doing this kind of fucked up shit is that you just have to use that saying of like, it's just business, man. And sometimes you got to make tough business decisions, because if you can use that language, you can compartmentalize what that effect is on an actual human being. Because when you say tough business decisions is different than putting a employee of mine on the street to figure out how they're going to survive so I can fucking buy whatever... you know what I mean? Like, then you got to go that down that yeah. rabbit hole. And it's that's too dark for somebody to yeah. do. So I'd rather just say, I'm treating this as numbers, man. We just got to tighten the belt. We got to make a tough business decision. 
yeah. and that's where it ends that's where all the thought ends. i just but it, yeah it justifies it justifies having a severe lack of empathy and i think it's so i'm going to think about this for a while the fact that like empathy is it's, empathy is not cohesive to capitalism right or like the idea of capitalism like yeah. uh it just doesn't work i yeah you're not but, gonna like, make money by everything by like yeah, yeah you're right tough business you know you, you don't um, make money by giving the money away to fucking... What the fuck are you talking about? You're supposed to suck up as yeah. much fucking money as possible till your cheeks puff out, and then you fucking swallow it down and get more till your body gets so bloated with fucking greed and money that, you know, the world rots around you. You just described Kirby. You just described Kirby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this <laughs> is no dreamland. Yeah. All right. Wow. Let's talk about Tupac. Uh, Tupac, uh, so... <laughs> Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir has been doing like a, a pretty decent job. He's the he's the Democrat that won yep. in Kentucky. So uh, you know, shout out to him uh, taking over a, just what the worst and most despised governor uh, prior to him. Uh, the yeah, Kentucky who was like governor pardoning like. Was. He was pardoning like absolute criminals like on his yeah. way out and like a couple of them like reoffended yeah. and people were like what the fuck anyway so yeah comparatively Bashir is fantastic but so, also doing what he can in a red state to try and keep people safe so it's a tough job Yeah yeah so he had a press briefing on Monday where he wanted to give a little anecdote about uh how people are exploiting unemployment and he said, we had somebody, so this is not an example of him crushing it. He said, we had somebody apply for unemployment for Tupac Shakur here in Kentucky. And that person may have thought they were being funny. They probably did, except for the fact that because of them, we had to go through so many other claims. Cut to, there's a guy named Tupac Shakur who lives in Lexington. And yeah. <laughs> he, he just, the governor he was like, what the fuck? forgot to check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All they had to do. So everyone was like, hold on, bro. This is this is a man named Tupac Malik Shakur, who was just like, yeah, bro, I converted to Islam like in the late 90s. I like the I like the surname because it wasn't mean like love of God. But he was just like, yeah, that's why I changed my name. But I'm a real guy. I work at a restaurant. My fucking restaurant closed down. I need help. Like, what the fuck is this? The the owner of the restaurant was like, I yeah. just think it's so messed up. Tupac's a great guy. Like, I, th you sh they should have just verified, <laughs> uh, like, you know, that Tupac works here. But it's just so funny when you keep reading this. <laughs> Everyone referring him to Tupac. But the, uh, uh, the governor called him directly to apologize and was like, I'm I'm sorry. Like that's fucked up because you can't just go off like, oh, that's a funny name. That's got to be a joke, ha. Rather than taking the time, like all I have to do is be like, but like that's a resident of our state. That is someone who's of uh, lives in Kentucky. Yeah, but that's crazy. They didn't verify it before the press briefing, before anything. Right? Like, they just like went with it. Right? They just assumed it. Because I'm, sure like, I'm sure that I'm sure. Yeah, someone in that office is like, oh wow, you're you're not. You wait to get a hold of this one, Andy. Someone applied for Tupac to get an unemployment. <laughs> And then that's how it goes. Like rather than people yeah. being having the cultural sensitivity to be like, yeah, that could also be someone else's name. They're like, that, there was only it, one Highlander. It's also an example of uh, <laughs> of just this this sort of lazy way that gov the government has just uh, perpetuated this myth that uh, for that there's uh, voting fraud or you know the the myth of the welfare queen, the woman who is like cashing welfare checks and then like driving around in a Range yeah. Rover or whatever. Like it's all this bullshit 
that is just rich conservative people uh, making up stories to justify their, you know, selfishness and uh, over like making things as difficult as possible for uh, un- underrepresented people. Yeah. Well, you know, luckily after the call from the governor, Tupac was very chill, uh, as Tupac would be, um, and said, he said, I understand he's dealing with a lot. Mistakes happen. See? Wow. There it is again. Wow. Empathy, understanding. He would say comes that. From, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Tupac is a great guy. He's Wisdom. He's a great guy. You know what I mean? Seriously. To live and die this in dude Kentucky, is a hero. man. To live yeah. and die in Kentucky. Right. Yeah. Shout out to Lexington. What a poet. Shout out to Lexington Catholic yeah. and Beaumont Middle School. Yeah. Is that where you went to school? Went. Yeah. Beaumont Named Middle? my son after it, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, Love the school so much, name my kid after it. Loved it so much. <laughs> uh, Dad, what's my name? Where does my name come from? <laughs> oh, you're named after a middle school yeah. I went to in Kentucky. <laughs> in Lexington, Kentucky. Huh? <laughs> huh? But my brother, wait, but wait, my brother's named after another relative? Yeah, but you're named after a school kid. <laughs> <laughs> I had great times in that great school. Times, yeah, great man. times, yeah. Uh, all right, guys, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And real quick, we want to do like five minute just recap bullshit roundup of the president. Uh, Miles, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I figure we'll do this so we don't have to get too into the weeds of what he's saying because we know none of it is real and most of it is just to create a headline or distraction. So here we go. He recently said on his China ban that his killer instincts may have saved the country. So he said, quote, when I when I did the ban on China, almost everybody was against me, including Republicans, Trump said. Uh, he said the ban was very early. Whether it was luck, talent or something else, we saved many thousands of lives. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, but then it goes on. Another thing he said is he, uh, he's there was a, a headline that said of uh, someone from Tyson Foods was saying there could be a meat shortage by the end of the week. Um, and because many of his Not followers, yeah, they were, you know, they were just his followers and they said, wait, I can't get this pork or beef. I, I have a God given right to colon cancer. Uh, so <laughs> he said basically that the meat packing <laughs> facilities would stay open uh, and operate since they are critical infrastructure. Now, that is what people are. There was a, a story that he may use the Defense Production Act to basically uh, force these companies to operate. But this has not been signed. This is something he's teased. And again, could just be something because many people were very just narrowly focused on like our meats. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. people who are doing the processing of this meat are in very close quarters, are very at risk. And I think, you know, we need to yeah, look at that actually breakouts. seriously. That shit is dangerous. We we got this from meat. We right. got this from meat. Tell them. Right? Like a different I mean, we don't know. A different kind yeah. of meat. A different kind of meat. But if you're operating in such close quarters and you're fucking handling food and then packing it and like it, it can fuck that's you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny that just kind of a sign of how things have changed that we're using the Defense Protection Act uh, to produce meat because during World War II, they just rationed meat and people weren't allowed to eat as much meat as they wanted or dairy. And it was actually the first and only time that American heart 
disease rates like dropped in the history of the country uh, was during World War II Holy meat shit. and uh, dairy rationing. But it got kind of written out of the textbooks because uh, the dairy the dairy farmers are powerful. Yeah, uh, my my group, my I remember yeah. in elementary school, my book said without uh, three glasses of milk and two T-bone steaks a day, you will die within four days. <laughs> yeah, just show <laughs> you, just show you shrivel <laughs> down into one of those little thing, those little people from. Yeah. Uh, I have the a feeling, yeah. I, I think Mermaid. my book was written by. I think my book was written by lobbyists, but I'm not sure. It was a science book. <laughs> On the back, which is like a got milk ad. Yeah. <laughs> it has, it has, it has a uh, George Washington, but he has the milk yeah. mustache. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, a Washington Post analysis of two weeks of his briefings uh, of Trump's crisis meetings, uh, COVID nineteen briefings, found uh, between. So they looked at April sixth to April twenty fourth. Uh, Trump spoke for thirteen hours, which is twice as long. As the next person, Dr. Deborah Burks, who actually oversees the administration's virus response. There's a New Yorker article this week about how the like guidebook for how to respond to one of these is you don't put a politician out front. You put a medical expert out front who becomes the face of the thing and who is just very, you know, sticks to five bullet points of like information that doesn't really change. Uh, Trump has completely, you know, fucked that. The content of his remarks during those. Oh, also, he uh, answered questions addressed to someone else on the stage more than a third of the time. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Which is amazing. Considering uh, but, that there's a good chance that could be a question aimed directly at a scientist. Yes. I think I got this one. Definitely. Yeah, right. Yeah. Unless it's like um, Pence or something when he's like, right. he doesn't talk. Yes. Uh, and then they also analyzed the 13 hours that he spoke, uh, and found that, uh, there were two hours spent just attacking people, uh, 30 minutes on Democrats, 25 minutes on the media, 22 minutes attacking governors, uh, and China was attacked for 21 (laughs) minutes, uh, about 45 of, uh, the minutes were spent praising himself and his administration, uh, including three instances in which he played videos that featured support for him and his administration. And uh, finally, drumroll please, four and a half minutes were spent expressing condolences for coronavirus victims. Uh, again, these, this is a crisis that has killed, will soon surpass Vietnam, uh, has already surpassed the entirety of the Korean War. He's like, nah, you know. Let, let's talk about how great I am. That is so shameful. It is, but just he is shameless impressive. and hence good at capitalism. That's all you need. Can't have empathy, um, need tons, and you can't have shame, dude, or else you are going to fucking be poor, man. Isn't that so? But it's so dangerous to have empathy in opposition with like supposed success. Like, that, I, I really dislike that that reality that we're like coming to is that having empathy is not con- it's, it's almost like a, a weakness you know what i mean because well, if I you, think you it, need yeah. to be a robot you need to be you know what i it mean depends. It's, it's, right i mean we can look at it very narrowly and say that's what you have to do but i think at the end of the day people are people are just wired like that or they're not and i think maybe some people can develop that over time but shereen i don't think if you had i don't know i mean i i presume to know your heart 
But I feel like if you were caught in a situation where you had to do something <laughs> completely fucked up, you would really take a second to right. think about it. And if it's worth it to you, worth it to your own stress, whatever, to do that. Because some people, I know people who literally, they only know money. Like they really only know money. They don't, they don't have hobbies. They just love money. And that is their life. And I, I like over time, you sort of, you uh, distance grows between you. Cause like, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of shit. We grew up together and that's what we had. But on some level you'll see people and you're like, Ooh, wow. Like if money didn't exist, you probably wouldn't know what to do with yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think most yeah. people know that in deep down, like we're, we're built to take care of one another. Uh, most people are, I think the majority are, that's why the majority, like, even though there is a lot of suffering in the world, there is a lot of kindness and trying to help each other out there despite all the, you know, yeah, external factors. I agree. You know, that's, that's a good thing to remember. I think, I think you're right that I think deep down, especially now we're seeing who are the people with empathy and we're seeing like how important empathy is just to like, cause we're all going through a collective trauma, like whether or not we recognize it right now, I think it's like a, a very collective trauma and however we process it and like however we express our empathy is, is important. But do you think, I have a question, because I do think some people are just hardwired one way or the other, but do you think empathy can be learned? Like if someone has a history of not showing empathy or, or care for someone else, is that something that can be taught or learned? Or is that just like not possible it, i think it can be taught yeah i think i think human yeah. beings are very adaptable i just don't think i think we exist in a society that reinforces the the wrong in, instincts at this moment and so uh you know narcissistic people get to see donald trump become president or kanye west become one of the most famous people yeah. on the planet so I mean, I think in, you know, pe people can be socially conditioned to do a lot of different things and we're not the right place to, uh, to socially condition anybody to, to feel empathy because there's not a whole lot of, uh, representations of that, that we see in reality, uh, getting people positive consequences other than podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about trolls, you guys. Not the internet kind, but the uh, the ones who uh, just had their second movie, Trolls World Tour, uh, take the box office by storm. Did um, the first one do good? Bad? The first one was, did terribly, right? No, it didn't do or terribly. It did. Fine. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And I think it was. Uh, I think it was fairly successful on video on demand, uh, but it did well enough to warrant a sequel. And right, makes the, sense. Yeah, and so the sequel, uh, they were already kind of into the marketing campaign. They had already launched the marketing campaign for the theatrical release of Trolls World Tour, and then uh, COVID hit, and so they decided rather than just uh, delaying it until uh, Oscar season, they decided to, uh, just let this campaign ride and release it on video on demand. And that was three weeks ago. Uh, and it has already made a hundred million dollars in video on demand rentals and streaming, Woo! which is Damn. how, how much it made over five weeks, uh, how much the original made over five weeks in theaters. So 
studios are looking at this as evidence that we can kind of move on from theaters, which is a bummer. And mm. I also think it's wrong. No. Yeah. I think this yeah. I, I don't think that's right. Like I think this has more to do with people being at home with their kids and needing a break from parenting. Like I don't I think we need to see it, it like in order to draw that conclusion, we would need to see a movie hit that is both not specifically like brain candy designed for child brains, but also like something that is not during a time when we're all like basically prisoners to our TV. Like the, this right. is a very specific set of circumstances. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I wow. I, when I remember hearing like, okay, they're just gonna go straight to VOD, but then yeah, seeing this, like you're saying, to your point, that makes sense in this reality. I wonder, is there gonna be another like every other tentpole film is like. Now nah, we're waiting for theaters to open back up. Like, so I don't know if we're ever going to, I mean, I don't is there, will there be like a parallel, like adult centric, adult focused film that'll come out in Quar? I'm curious to see what happens if, you know, a tentpole film, like something that was a blockbuster film from the summer that, you know, we've been pushing everything like yeah. the new James Bond and all these other films. If they would, if anyone would even risk putting it on VOD right now to see like, oh, maybe we can get like, maybe this is a way to do it right now. Uh, and it'll have the same effect. But I don't know. I just feel like Trolls is like, fuck, it's something new my kid hasn't seen or whatever. We can like all take a yeah. quick break and put like I see like your logic that you laid out why this works. But curious to see with the like a big film, because I don't know if I would yeah. be like, fuck, man, you could have read James Bond this weekend. <laughs> I mean, like, I think you're completely right, because it is very much like. Like you're stuck at home with your kids. Like I'm sure giving them an hour just to, to watch something, an hour and a half is like a little break for them. And I think that's why Trolls is doing so well. It's because so many parents are stuck with their kids right now. And I don't think it's fair. And I don't know. I, th I think so many like, a, like more adult movies, like whether it's James Bond or otherwise, they are waiting for the theaters to open up. But the reality is they're, pro they're not going to open up anytime soon. Yeah. And so... To see these recent movies, I think there there's going to have to be one franchise or one movie that like just like bites the bullet and does the first and and tries it out. Like we have to have there has to be a guinea pig because we won't know. Um, so I'm curious what movie that will be and how successful it will be. I th I I'm I think it's going to be successful only because we are consuming content like crazy right now. Yeah, and. I can only imagine, like, like what happened with Contagion. Contagion's like a like over a decade old, right? And um, that I mean, like, obviously it's the it's a sign of the times, and like it's very reflective of what we're going through. But the rentals for that movie were like absurdly high a month ago. Mm -hmm. So I think it's possible for a movie to see success during this time. I also don't think that means we should abandon theaters because that makes me very depressed. Um, just the thought of that yeah. because that's like an amazing experience. But I, yeah. I am, I'm, I'm curious to see what movie will be the first uh, attempt. It's gonna take this. a while. Like they're gonna have to realize, fuck, like we can't, we can't keep sitting on this James Bond or whatever film for another eight months or whatever. And I'm sure out of desperation or maybe planning, that film will come out and we'll see. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if I. It would have to be something yeah. significant, like okay, I'll 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 check out that Chris Nolan film, like I'll rent that, 
But I could only mm-hmm. think of like maybe four films coming out that I'll be like, yeah, fuck it, man. That's a VOD. That's a VOD one right there. Yeah. yeah. But, but inversely, inversely, maybe the anticipation, maybe, maybe studios are being like, well, by the time this comes out, people are going to be so ready for this <laughs> right. that the lines will be crazy. The movie is going to be so popular in theaters or whatever. So I don't know. A yeah, bit. but there's like, going to be such a like o- uh, overabundance of like big tentpole movies just hitting theaters all at the same time. I feel like right, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, and then yeah, yeah, maybe our bar is so low, we're so desperate. I'm like, Jack, man, you want to camp out in line for that James Bond movie? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yes, yeah. I always feel uh, <laughs> how I how I greet the release of any James Bond movie. Uh, I mean, I the Wall Street Journal obviously putting things in uh, the, you know, in the language or, or viewing the thing from the perspective of the studios uh, made the point that studios have debated movie theaters over their requirement to show a movie exclusively for more than two months before screening at home. And they kind of said that they they had this debate while watching Netflix dominate at home entertainment. So like if they can get theaters to let them release movies on demand at the same time that they release uh, in theaters, they feel like they might have a, have a shot at competing with Netflix, which I I'm all for finding like an alternative to Netflix uh, because I'm sure Netflix will eventually use their massive, market dominating power to make things shittier uh, yeah and then so. eventually get like mm-hmm. government funds because they're like we're too big to fail you, you can't, guys netflix can't go down yeah yeah well shireen it yeah. has been a pleasure as always having you uh where can people find you and follow you i'm shireen you can follow me at uh shiro hero on instagram s-h-e-e-r-o-s Nope. God, can I spell S H E E S H E E R O H E R O? And then on Twitter, it's ShiroHero666. I had a film screen. I mean, I had my first experience with like a virtual film festival last week. So that was interesting. Or even this weekend, I had a film that got into this festival in Paris and they oh, had like nice. an online screening thing. Congrats. Um, which was, I mean, it was, but it was strange because it wasn't. Yeah, it's not like going. So that's I'm not being in a theater, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So that was strange. But if you guys are curious what the film is or whatever, you can follow me along, and I'll probably post it soon because the other festivals are also going to be virtual. So I figure, what's the point? Um, but yeah, me and Anna have a podcast, ethnically ambiguous. If you guys don't know, uh, listen to us. We talk to people every week, and it's fun. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, Jack. yeah. <laughs> Take it away, uh, Jack. <laughs> is there a is there a tweet you've been enjoying? Yeah, um, I had a couple, but I think I narrowed it down to one that really resonated with me. It was uh, Andrew Mashan, uh, hilarious. Follow him on Twitter; he's really funny. But this tweet was truly nothing more embarrassing than accidentally clicking on a live stream, <laughs> and I really agree with that because I hate all these live streams so much. <laughs> and sometimes I'll just be on my phone scrolling and I'll just like pop in and it would say it's, it'll, it'll be like three people and I'm one of them and then I'm just there and I have to I don't know whatever so I, that's my tweet truly nothing more embarrassing than accidentally clicking on a live stream 
especially now. Miles, where can people find you and what's a tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Miles of Gray. Also, uh, my other show, 420 Day Fiance, talking about 90 Day Fiance. Um, some tweets that I like. Well, well, well. Uh, a couple from Reductress. Uh, first, uh, just this woman standing by a toilet with like a just nervous look on her face, and it says, Now more than ever, toilet must not clog. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, and then another one's from at Laura E. Parker. It says, some of my best writing has been wasted on sex to men whose best reply was, is that so? <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh. Is that so? <laughs> it's such Very, a specific type yeah. of, is that Dude. so? Yeah, uh, Very, like that's their idea of sophistication. Yeah, like, or like uh, being cheeky about it, and she's like, yeah, I can't, you know, oh, ugh. That's all you got, Can't huh? do it. Uh, rock and roll photos tweeted, I hate Lovecraftian horror. It always reminds me of my dad who killed himself after looking at an impossible triangle. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what is that going to be today? Uh, I was just listening to the Childish Gambino album, 31520, um, and the song Time with Ariana Grande stuck out to me because it almost sounded like if Kanye like was still doing what he used to do well. Uh, this song has very similar vibes with Ouch. the auto-tune. Uh, and there's just like this keyboard synth line that is straight out of the easy uh, melody book. Uh, but it's just a good song and like, I don't know, has good energy. So this is time. Childish Gambino. All right. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. We are going to ride out on that Childish Gambino song, and we'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. We'll talk to you then. Bye. 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 Bye.